Well, um, I am doing week four of This Is Our God and continuing in the life of Elisha. And because we're in, um, we have stacks of time this morning, I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me this morning, which just blew my mind. And you'll probably, all the girls in the house will go, oh, all the guys will go, who cares? Um, I am an avid op shopper. And um, if you, <laughs> not yet, Pete. I am an avid op shopper, and uh, if you ever go into op shops, you know that there is a $10 FPOS limit, okay? So if you don't have cash, you have to buy about five different items to get something that you want because you want to use the FPOS. Anyway, one day, one day this week, I think it was about Monday, I went in and I tried these jeans on, and I really liked them, but didn't have any cash, and I just thought, you know what, whatever, who cares? I don't care. And, um, and I left... And I was sitting there the next day, and I hate that feeling of thinking, dang, I should have bought them. I should have bought them. And then the next day, I get a text from Rihanna, and she goes, Jess, I've got these jeans for you. They're a little bit small, but I really like them, so I bought them, so I'm giving them to you. And she rocked, and then I thought, oh, cool. And then the next day, I thought, I'm going back to get those jeans. I'm going to go back and get them. Surely someone hasn't bought them. And I went back. They weren't there. This morning, Rihanna rocks in with the exact jeans from the exact op shop and just goes, here they are. I was like, are you kidding? So that was, has nothing to do with my sermon. I was just absolutely blown away that out of all the op shops in Newcastle, out of all the jeans, Rihanna brought the ones that I went back for and they were gone. So let's talk about a life. God is good all the time. Uh, so, Elisha, um, nice transy. Um, we're actually talking about a topic a lot heavier than op shop jeans this morning. And um, it's actually a topic that causes a lot of people to lose their faith or worse, maybe not worse, I don't know, keep their faith but kind of shut God out from doing anything in their lives. And um, As I begin, I want you to get that thing in your mind, that thing that might be a past disappointment or that thing that might hang over your head, a past regret, a situation you wish didn't turn out the way that it did, maybe some lost years, maybe a consequence that you wish you didn't have to deal with. And get that in mind as we look at a woman who in this story is confronted with hers. And um, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message, uh, don't put this one online, Cam, because it sounds not good, but this is our God when God disappoints. That's not going to be a top seller at Kurong. Um, but we find our story uh, in 2 Kings 4 verses 8. And it's the story of the Shunammite woman. And we read, One day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a rich and influential woman lived. Some translations say a well-to-do woman. She was well-to-do. Who insisted on his eating a meal. So she literally went out and... um, My dear friend Sarah brought me an interlingual Bible the other week and it blew my mind. And in that one, it says she grabbed him. So she forced him to come inside and eat a meal and she could cook because afterwards, whenever he passed by, he stopped there for a meal. 
And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God who passes by continually. Let us make a small chamber on the housetop and put in there a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. And then whenever he comes to us, he can go up outside the stairs and rest there. Now this woman was about to get a miracle that she didn't even know to pray for. She didn't, it wasn't on her prayer list on the wall. It wasn't on the fridge or the mirror right in front of her praying for it every day. She is about to get a miracle she didn't even know. And this woman is not inviting the man of God in so she can get what she wants. She is not doing what the Lord is prompting her to do to manipulate God to do what she wants for him. She is just living her life as an invitation for God to move. And though you and I cannot make God move, just like this woman who made a little room, we can make room for God to move. And that is, that's the basis of this story today. And, and so many of us sometimes don't even notice. Now, the man of God was a representation of God on the earth in the Old Testament. He spoke on behalf of God. Some of us don't even notice when he's passing by. We don't even notice to say, hey, stop in for a meal and yet go that extra mile and build a room, make a room and say, come in. But she noticed this and so she expanded her place of residence and she built a room for God in her life. And in response, she's about to get a miracle she had no idea she'd get. Verse 11, one day he came and turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to Gehazi, now say to her, you have been most painstakingly and reverently concerned for us. What is to be done for you? What would you like to be spoken for to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. They are sufficient. I'm good. I don't need anything, Elisha. I'm good. I'm happy to serve you. I'm happy to keep serving you. I'll, I'll go back to the kitchen. I'll make your dinner. You lay down. I'm good. I don't need anything. And so he lays down and waits a little while. But verse 14, later, still bugging, Elisha says, what is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, well, she has no child and her husband's old. And uh, he said, well, call her. Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. Notice last time she stood before him. And how often we seem to retreat when we feel God nudging on that thing that we're saying I'm good about. She now stands in the doorway and Elisha said, at this season when the time comes around, you shall embrace a son. And she responded in a way that, I think is odd to respond to the man of God. And she says, no, my Lord, you man of God, do not lie to your handmaid. No, she pushes back when the promises of God is spoken to her. Now, the only way that that woman would know that what he is saying to her is a lie is that she has been down that road before. I have been there. I have done that. It is a no-go zone, Elisha. I can't fall pregnant. 
It, do not lie to me. If Don't bring that up. I said I was good. Don't even touch on it. And her instinct was to object to the promise of God. I wonder, what is it that you're objecting to in your life based on past disappointments? What she had learned to live with that she was not going to have a child. I've got a way to get through this. Look, I'm hospitable. I'm well-liked among my people. I am good. I have learned to live with this disappointment, Elisha. You lay down on your bed. I'm good. And I wonder what we have learned to live with. And we don't say, God, come into this place. Heal that. We just say, I'm good. Well to do. And I'm good. But Elisha overruled her objection. And uh, I wonder what it is that God wants to overrule your objection to this morning. Because Jesus, it says, is our advocate and God is our judge. And if we need something overruled, it's them we go to. And Elisha, the man of God, overruled her. And I wonder what we need overruled in our lives that is just a natural objection in our life anymore. We might just be so used to thinking, well, that family member is never going to be saved. I don't even pray for it anymore. What is it that you say, I'm good? I don't need a healing. I have learned to deal with this sickness. I'll just carry on. It's okay, I will ju- I've learned that I will only ever respond in anger. Don't go there with me. I have learned to deal with this addiction. I'll just carry on. I have learned that maybe pornography might just be a part of my life. That just might be what happens. I, I'm good. Don't bring it up. But God, this morning might be calling your name to come into the upper chamber again and say, I have got a promise for you. And I wonder if you're standing in the doorway objecting. Because our disappointment could be so deep that we're just happy to say, just don't go there anymore. I'm just done with that disappointment. Some of us might not even make it to the doorway anymore. We just stay in the kitchen when he's calling. Go, I'm serving you this way. I'm making you dinner. This is enough, right? I built you a room, but you want more space? I'll give you more space. But don't go there with me, God. And I pray this morning that we would get a little real with God today. That we would, that where our natural response may be to object, that we might let God start dealing with some of the past disappointments or the disappointments that you feel so real today. Now, I'm sure it doesn't say in the Bible in this next part as we go on, but um, the husband doesn't object to anything that's going on here. And uh, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm sure there would have been some follow-up discussion in the bedchamber that night to what the man of God said to the woman. He said, you heard, the, you heard the preacher? We're going to make a baby. Let's make this baby. And um, verse 17, it must have happened because, but the woman conceived and bore a son. 
at that season the following year, just as Elisha had said to her. Just as Elisha had said. And a year before, she stood in that doorway and went, uh-uh, I'm good. Don't lie to me about that. I have tried to get victory. I have tried that before. Don't lie to me. And if this were a nice little package sermon, a motivational thing, we would close our Bibles, eat heaps of morning tea and the rest of the raisin toast, and we'd go home. But we know that the path that the Lord leads us on all all the time is not smooth. And there's a next part in the text that we get to that becomes really hard to understand. It becomes hard to preach about it. It's, It's the very thing that people go, well, I cannot believe in a God like that. I cannot believe a loving God would put someone through that. But we read in the next text. Verse 18, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father and the reapers. But he said to his father, my head, my head, the man said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he was brought to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. He died? That the promise of God died in her arms? At noon, the brightest hour of the day, how could God, a loving God, let something so dark happen like that? Wasn't it you that promised this, God? Wasn't this you that put this into plan? And I'm not a mom, but I am an auntie, and I could not even imagine the pain of having a child that I love sit on my lap and complain about pain and then die in my arms. Watch what happens next. Verse 21. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. What's she doing? What is this Shunammite doing? She took the dead boy, placed him on the bed of the man who promised him to him, to her, almost to say, you started this, you finish it. And she shut the door and went out. I wonder how often something bad happens in our lives and, and our instinct is just to cradle it. Just hold it. She could have sat there all day holding that dead baby. Her boy. But she went and put it right, not in the doorway, Right on the bed of the man of God, as if to say, you began this, you will finish this. You promised this, and I am going to make sure that you see to your word. And instead of preparing for a funeral, she planned to see a miracle. And I wonder how often we shortcut God's miraculous power because we are so quick to get on the phone and order the casket and the flowers and the morning tea for the funeral instead of turning to God and go, "Uh uh-uh, I am waiting for the miracle here. I am just waiting for the miracle. And when disappointment comes in her life, she is presented with three options, and we see them in the next part of the text, which are not very different to the options you and I might experience in our lives. Verse 22, she calls to her husband and says, send me one of the servants 
and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back again. He says, what, why are you going to him today? It's, it's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. And she says, he'll be all right. She doesn't even tell her husband his son's dead. It's all right. It's all good. She had the first option to just rest where it was comfortable. And I know as a wife, when I am devastated, the best place to be is just blubbering mess on Luke. He probably doesn't think that's the best thing ever. But that is my, as a wife, if, if something, if we had a child and they died, Luke would be probably a very reasonable first option. And maybe I'd fill him in that his kid's dead. It's all right. And when we face disappointment, it is so easy to run back to what is comfortable. Old habits, old ways, old places, old relationships, old things that we used to do. And she could have just said, you know what? It used to be just you and me, hun. And now the promise is dead. Let's just keep it that way. We'll just go back to the way it was. But she wouldn't even let the words pass by her lips. It is all right, she says. In other words, nothing you can do about it. Bring me the donkey. 24, then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, ride fast. Do not slacken your pace for me unless I tell you. And so she set out to came, to come to, and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is the Shunammite. He uses that word. Run to meet her. And say, is it well with you? Well with your husband? Well with your child? And she answers, this well? Who is this woman? Second option she had was just to go to a person associated with God. And so often, we as Christians think just because we brought our problem to church, we think we brought it to Jesus. And we can talk and talk and talk to people about it and think that that is actually taking it and putting it on the upper chamber of God. And I'm not saying Christian counsel is not wise, but if it only results in chatter, then that is not the place to leave your expectation for a miracle. And she just says to him, it's well. It is well, I am not even going to bother using the words to express what has happened. I am going straight to the only one who can fix this. And too often we take our problems and disappointments to people to fix what only God can fix. And she knew this. We are so flippant with our words sometimes. We far too often call it as we see it very quickly. We just, we just say, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and I've had this and this is happening and this is happening. And then we put a little tagline, but God's in control. But the Bible says that our tongue is the rudder of our life. That is like saying, I have set my rudder on this ship for south, but I'm going to put up a little flag that says I want to go north. We spew this doubt. We spew this unbelief. We put exactly what the devil wants us to put out there and then we tagline it with God's in control when really we should take a leaf from this woman with a dead son's book who says it is well. 
I'm going to the Father. I am going right to the face of God and he's going to deal with this. I am not going to continue to confess just the old things of my life. I will. I refuse to let it pass by my lips. We need to watch our words as Christians. If we're whinging, it says something about our hearts, like we've lost our thankfulness. Or if we're always speaking worry, have we lost our awe of God? And if you can only speak the problem, maybe you can't see the promise. It's well, she says. Oh, good. Oh, if you go home, there's a dead boy in your bed, but it's good. Verse 27. When she came to the mountain to the man of God, she clung to his feet. Gehazi came to thrust her away, but the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is bitter and vexed within, and the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. And now a woman... Standing in front of the man of God, how years before she stubbornly stood in a doorway and rejected what God wanted to give her is now in a position on her knees, completely broken, knowing that God is the only one who can give her what she needs. In verse 28, she says, did I desire a son? Did I desire a son, my Lord? Did I not say, don't deceive me? I did not ask for this. I told you I was good. I told you that this was a bad idea. I am sick of being disappointed. I told you don't go there. I have prayed for that miracle and it is enough. Do not get my hopes up again. I have tried and tried with this addiction. I'm just going to live with it. Don't get my hopes up. Don't deceive me. Did I ask you for this healing? Did I ask you for this burden? And a broken-hearted mother cries on her knees. You picture she is grabbing the feet of the man of God and said, I asked you, don't deceive me. I didn't ask for this. And we see a picture here that is not unlike a picture that many years later, our Savior Jesus was in a very similar position upon his knees. As if to cling to the Father's feet and go, is this your will? Is this? I did not ask that this burden would be, is this your will? I don't want this. But if it is, I will take it. And we need to remember something about ourselves. For those of us who are Christians in here, God no longer just sees us. When he looks at us, he sees Christ. And when we ask the question, how could God allow suffering? How could God, what if a God so wonderful, so loving could allow pain in our lives. We need to remember this about ourselves, that God looks at us, he sees Christ, and if suffering was good enough for Christ to bring glory to God, suffering is gonna be in our journey and it's gonna be okay. We just need to give glory to God as well. In Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally experience his resurrection power and be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. 
if there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. And our greatest disappointments, I believe, in life come when we lose track of who we really are. When something doesn't meet up with our expectation. Because as Christians, we're no longer living for ourselves. We are living for Christ and Christ is in us. We're no longer like the world. We are not part of this me, me, me culture anymore. Please me, please me, all about me. If I'm not happy, then something's going wrong. But God is not an upgrade to our happiness. And he is not failing us if he doesn't fulfill every prayer that we ask. We are not here on earth as vessels of self-indulgence anymore. We are vessels of the risen Christ. And there's a cost to that. Yes, your life becomes full and joyous and you will experience peace and abundance of things that we are searching for as humans when we invite Jesus in. But while our aim here on earth is not just to satisfy. God wants to sanctify us and sometimes suffering is the means to that. We are just not meant to be people who are just satisfied. God wants to sanctify us that we would be worthy of the call of carrying Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. And the sooner we recognize that as Christians, that on earth today, We change our whole perspective that God is not this add-on. That he is the very essence and cause for our lives. We will soon start seeing disappointment, not as punishment, because our life isn't perfect, but a means of perfecting us. As Christians, disappointment is going to be part of the journey. Don't tweet that. Just like you and I, sometimes, this desperate woman was on her knees in broken-hearted position. And in verse 29, the prophet said, Gehazi, gird up your loins and take your staff in your hand and go lay my staff on the face of the child. If you meet any man, don't salute him. If he salutes you, do not answer. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives... And as my soul lives, I will not leave you. I will, I am not, you send your servant, I don't care. I am not leaving your side. Now that is perfection through suffering. A woman who once was hesitant to stand at the door of an upper chamber of a man now says, I am not leaving your side. As the Lord lives, as my soul lives, you can do anything you want, but I am right here, right by your side. And that's what suffering and disappointment, though it is not the best and perfect plan, we have to deal with living in a fallen world that we allow suffering and pain to lead us to a place of, I am not leaving your side. I am not leaving. And so in verse 31, Gehazi Gehazi passes on before them. He ran and laid the staff on the child's face, but the boy neither spoke nor heard. So he went back to meet Elisha, and I'm sure the Shunammite's heart skipped a beat to hear what had happened, that the child had not awakened. And when Elisha arrived in the house, the child was dead and laid upon Elisha's bed. And so he went in and shut the door. 
maybe for privacy, maybe he was freaking out. He'd done a few things. He hadn't raised anyone from the dead. And the two of them, the boy and Elisha, and he prayed to the Lord. He went up and laid on the child, put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. We don't do that in this church. As he stretched himself out on him and embraced him, the child's flesh became warm. A little bit of hope. And then he returned and walked around the house to and fro and went up again and stretched himself upon him again. And the child sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. Then Elisha called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. I did it. Um, So he called her. And when she came in, he said, take up your son. And she fell at his feet, bowing herself to the ground and then took up her son and went. A disappointment that led to deep, deep devotion. What an amazing miracle to take place. Amazing. She didn't want a kid. She got a kid. The kid died. The kid's alive. Whoa, that's enough. Thanks, God. Now I'm good. But I want you to know this is not a formula to get out of God what you want. This is not a, if you do this, don't anyone go home and tell their wives we're building an extension. Are you listening, Colo? In the, um, this is not a formula of if we follow all of this, this will happen. Rather, it is a testimony of what God can do with a broken and surrendered heart. To live our lives in a way where we say, yep, I have deep disappointments. You don't even know the disappointment that is consuming my every breath right now. You don't know the pain that I went through, the regret. You would be shocked if you heard the regret. And yes, I've got those, but you know where I'm going to put them? Right in God's chamber, right at God's presence, not at the door, right on the bed. And he can do with it what he wishes. But as for me, I'm not leaving his side. Because it doesn't always end in a miracle. This woman got her miracle. But what happens when we don't get the miracle? You can sit and read about all these wonderful miracles in the Bible, but it doesn't always turn out like that. I've been in situations where my prayers have not been answered. I have been praying for this bunion for 15 years. Seriously. But I have been in situations where my prayers, desperate, desperate prayers, have not been answered. And there has not been an easy answer to sum up the situation. I remember a prayer that I desperately prayed And I don't tell you this to emotionally manipulate the service or anything like this. I just believe that God's word becomes real in testimony. But I remember desperately praying for my pastor and my friend's mom who had been diagnosed with cancer. I remember being 14 years old and this woman was the first woman of of an example of a woman in leadership And she did it exceptionally well. We spent every Christmas at her house. She was like another mom to me. 
And I remember desperately praying on behalf of my friend, don't let her mum die. She does such good work. She is the best pastor I have known. Don't let her die, God. Don't, this is not fair. And then God answered my prayer in a different way than I was asking him to. And my friend's mom died. And I remember being at a packed out funeral and it was devastatingly sad. But at the end of the funeral, there was an opportunity for people to give their hearts to the Lord. And I remember thinking, well, this is out of place, a bit disrespectful. And slowly, hands started going up across the room of people saying, yep, I've seen that life lived through deep disappointment and she did not leave the side of the Lord. What a testimony I'm in on that. And I remember speaking to her husband and sitting with the family after and he genuinely was happy that people got saved. His wife, his bride, his darling and my friend's mum and they were genuinely happy that people had got saved. You might say, Jess, that's a little bit optimistic and just trying to find the silver lining. Someone dying so someone could get saved. Jesus thought it was all right. Don't tell me suffering cannot bring glory to God. We always need to come back to the fact that we are here for the sole purpose of pointing people home to Jesus. And if pain and disappointment is part of the perfecting, then we just need to let it take its place and we say, I'm not leaving your side. Yes, there are spiritual attacks that we need to stand against and put up our shields of faith, But we don't need to take disappointment as a personal offense every time it happens. God is still God. There was another man in the Bible who also experienced great disappointment. His name was Job. I may seem a bit morbid that this is my favorite book in the Bible, but he lost everything. Absolutely everything. He was very wealthy. He had many sons and many daughters and he lost everything. And he didn't get his sons back. He didn't get his daughters back. Later he had more, but he didn't get the ones that he had back. And yet we see in Job 42, right after 42 chapters of pain, disappointment and torture, he says, I admit once that I lived by rumors of you. Now I have finished it. I have at, now I have seen it at first hand from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise I'll never live again on crusts of hearsay, crumbs of rumor. I am staying right by your side. And whether we get the promise the way we want it or we get the promise in a different way, we need to resolve that pain and suffering and disappointment will not lead us out of that upper chamber to stay and say, I am good, don't touch it, don't go there with me, but it leads us right in and says, I'm not leaving. And I wonder how many of us came in here well-to-do this morning. Well-to-do, I'm good. But there could be things in your life that God wants to bring back to life. 
but we're so accustomed to pushing back and objecting to go further than the doorway with God. I have tried. I have been there. You don't know what it feels like to go through that. But this morning, whatever that thing is, that thing that hangs over your head, that thing that you just can't get past, it could be a calling. God could have called you to a great call, but somehow you just didn't think that you could add up. You just couldn't get that Bible reading thing. You couldn't get that prayer thing. This morning, maybe God wants you to go, all right, I know I've struggled with that before, but now I'm not leaving your side. Teach me how to do that, that I could be all that you called me to. There could be unforgiveness that God is just saying, you need to let that go. You need to let that go. But we need to take that thing Whatever it is, embarrassing, disappointing, shameful, dirty, whether it was your fault or someone else's fault, and take it right into the upper chamber. And when he calls your name, say, yeah, I'm here, and here's my thing. Either change it or change me, but I'm not leaving until something happens. And I refuse to stand on the sideline and let my disappointment of the past disqualify me from my future. I refuse to let disappointment disrail my destiny. If we could all stand, if you'd come play on the key things. I know personally that there are disappointments that are very real to people right now. I know that there are dreams that have been completely disrailed, relationships that are in ruins. There are children who have been lost. There is sickness that we still are facing day after day. But this morning, I would ask that when God calls, and He is always calling, Anytime. Not to be dramatic. No, you're good. But when he is always calling, he's always saying, Come to me. That never changes. He is always saying, Come to me. Come to me. Bring that thing. And it might not even be anything to anyone else, but you know it has held you back from going, I'm coming right in. I want you to get that thing this morning. If you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And locate that thing in your heart. Whether that disappointment is the disappointment you woke up with today or it was many years ago and you have just said, I'm good, God. Don't go there anymore. We'll just keep doing things how we've always done things. This morning, God is calling your name. So let me deal with that so we can move on to this. And I want to pray for people this morning that are sick of letting disappointment Sick of letting the question why, sick of letting I don't know why this has happened to me, stop them and derail them from going further. You might never get your answer, but you will always have your promise in Jesus Christ. And the 
as the band comes, we are going to sing. Let the ruins come to life. Let that thing that is so broken, either change it or change me. I am sick of being worried. I am sick of living in fear. I am sick that someone's going to find out about this. Today is a day of healing. Today is the day of salvation. And if that's you this morning and you want to make a stand, you come down the front and you declare, we will pray with you. If it's right where you're at, then you want to lift your hands and go, God, here it is. I'm putting it on your bed. You deal with it. God wants to deal with the things that stop us from bringing the true light and salvation to a dying and dark world. We are His vessels, not for punishment, but for promise in Jesus' name. Amen.